0: Thank you for joining us here at Celebration Church, where we celebrate God, celebrate people, and celebrate life. We hope you enjoy today's message. It's good to be in God's house together. I'd like to welcome all of our podcast people, people listening online. Even if you're one of our volunteers outside of the room and you're listening later today, welcome. We love being a part of the church community with you. Um, Yesterday... um, I was still supposed to be on break on holidays, uh, but I was considering what I should share this morning. I didn't wait till this morning, wait till yesterday. Um, and I was thinking through, um, what are the messages of my life? Like, what are the themes that run through what I share? Um because I could say, oh, I speak on every possible thing in the world. But I, I pretty much summed it up into when I share, I share around three things. And this morning, I'm going to give you a little taste of all of them. Um, so I think when I share, I talk about innovation and betterment. I believe um, that I have questions about where I'm up to and what God could do. So I need to keep on bettering myself, keep on growing. I see the problems in my own life, in my family, in my ministry, in the things around me. And I believe that God has solutions to them. So I always bring us back to actually, you're not done yet. God isn't over. Um, the fat man hasn't sung yet. Um God still wants to do things in. And three, I think secondly, I speak about culture. Um, I love culture. I love that it reflects our character. I love talking about the code of Celebration Church, the code in my life, the convictions that I choose to have. Because if we can have good convictions, um, we set ourselves up for some pretty amazing wins. But when we have sloppy convictions, uh, we can find ourselves in situations that we never should have been in uh, that ruin us. So I think I come back to innovation, I come back to betterment, and I think lastly, when I come around the Word of God, I want to get biblical truths that really have practical applications for you. Um, I don't believe that the Bible is just a book that I read, but it's a book that reads me and helps me to apply what Jesus is, what He has done in every area of my life. So when we share around the Word of God this morning, I don't want just to share thoughts and scriptures to back up my points. Uh, I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to Make His Word come alive on the inside of you. I loved as Joey was sharing this morning and and intertwining the Word of God with our worship, that we will be a church that stands on the foundation of the Word of God as we worship Him uh, in spirit and truth. And I think out of that biblical truth comes hope. I believe that the Word of God is steadfast and strong and we can stand on it. So it gives us hope in all different seasons. I think hope is a theme of my messages. Some people think hope is the uh, ugly cousin of faith. Um, But faith has no ugly cousins. Um, Just like me. That sounds weird. I I guess my cousins are okay. Um, What? So I'd like to welcome everyone lifting on our podcast. Um, Make up for my mistakes. Uh, So this morning I want to share, I want to give us an opportunity today, if you haven't given your life to Jesus, the Word of God is not just to um, fatten up those that... Have already made a decision to follow Jesus, but it's to give you a gateway into relationship with God. So, at the end of today's message, I'd love to give you an opportunity to respond to Jesus. So, lock in, get in your seatbelt, get ready for the ride. This morning, I want to share around the topic of troublemakers disrupting the mundane, average, and boring. Is anyone in the room a troublemaker at school? at your family Christmases. I'm astonished that Paul Green is not putting his hand up. I feel like that is lying in church. Um, We forgive you. Love covers a multitude of your sins. But throughout the Word of God, we are bombarded with people that were troublemakers. And not just troublemakers just making everything worse, but would interrupt the boring, mundane, average normal in life. And God would use them to radically change situations. I wrote down a few of them this morning, like Caleb and Joshua, they had a vision that was bigger than the challenges that were between them and the promised land. They were troublemakers to those around them because everyone was like, these giants are so big, this situation is so horrific. And they were just like, no, God can surely do it. Everyone relax. We're not grasshoppers. God's on our side. They're, they're troublemakers. Paul and Silas shut down a prison. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego made a decision to stand instead of bow, which made a bit of trouble. Peter was infamous for his his impulsive actions whether it be denying or stepping out on water or preaching the first sermon of the new covenant, whatever those things were, he, he had this thing inside of him that just kind of stirred up a little bit of trouble. Nehemiah built a wall when everyone thought it was ridiculous. John the Baptist lived a wild life. Jonathan and his armor bearer picked a fight and brought a victory through only a few men rather than a multitude of the army. Timothy ran with what his mentor imparted to him. Jesus, his teachings were full of grace and truth in the midst of a situation that was filled with law and rule and regulation. He kicked up the dirt a bit. He was a bit of a troublemaker. There were many things, these characters in the Bible, but they were never fit in to the norm. They were always a little bit on the edge, always a little bit of the radical person that God wants to use. And this morning, I want to encourage that we would be a church that makes trouble for the enemy. That we would be disruptors of the normal life. That even when people you we know, have that story in the New Testament Acts, where someone comes to the disciples saying, "Can you give me some food? Can you give me some money?" And they say, "Silver and gold I have not, but what I have I give to you." In Jesus' name, be healed. And they heal them. That is disrupting the normal. That is disrupting the boring. I want to be a part of a church that understands that the Holy Spirit came, brought us some boldness, and now we can kick up some trouble in our family, in our lives, in our city, that we would be used, even if we feel like Gideon, the weakest in a weak family, in a weak town, that we would understand that God can do amazing things in and through us. Not the person next to you, not the person behind you, but you that you would grab something this morning and be encouraged. Can I pray for us this morning? And then we're going to get right into this thing. Jesus, you're in your house. We're expecting for you to move. And I pray, God, that every single person in this room would make a choice right now to encounter you. Uh, we don't just want to encounter a group or a service. We want you, Jesus. So move in our midst, have your way, correct us, help us. May we have a good day in Celebration Church this morning and may you raise up some troublemakers, some people that'll flip things on their head, that'll be bored with mundane living, that will be huh, disgusted by the status quo. It will be people that wrestled and brought about a great future, that pioneered, that did amazing things Bring heaven to earth, to a broken city and broken people. So have your way this morning. May you be honoured. May you be lifted up. This is not about us. This is about you. So have your way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 Why don't we thank Rebecca as she takes her seat. (laughs) Amazing keys. Good stuff. I'm going to be speaking over the next two weeks on this topic of troublemakers. Let me say it again. Who in the room were troublemakers at school? It's okay. Your report card is not going to... Stop God from using you, okay, a few of us. Most of them are current teenagers in school. Um, that's I love, um, I'm the youth pastor, me and my wife are the youth pastor here at, at church, uh, and next week is our five years of being the youth pastors here, which is exciting. But I love, um, one of the interesting things that we always have to deal with is leaders and parents that are shook by a teenagers' decisions. Like, oh my gosh, you see what they did? Oh, what's oh, they're out of control. And the first thing that happens every single time, I'm like, you forgot what you were like when you were a teenager. Oh, you can't believe what they're doing. They're acting a lot like their mother, I think. Um, <laughs> hmm? Hmm? <laughs> but troublemakers, there's bad troublemakers, but there's people that actually are bored I remember in school, I struggled. Every report card I said was I distracted others, I distracted the teacher, and it's not because I didn't want to learn. It's because the classes were boring. Um, it's not my fault that I can teach better than you, teacher, um, and everyone's listening to me right now. Uh, no, school was great. I married the school captain, so that kept me out of trouble. Um, not in school, you're we like 14 and and married school captain. Uh, she, like, burnt my report cards and printed new ones. It was so great. Um, but troublemakers have a few characteristics, but I want to share three things that I hope um, challenge us and inspire us this morning to be troublemakers again, to be people that aren't just stuck in the routine, stuck in mundane, stuck in what I'm supposed to do. It's another year. It's another birthday. Ross has a big birthday coming up. He excited, Ross? Where are you? Yes. We're all invited. Uh, he's going to give us all gifts. Uh, I love just saying things into the microphone. But let me share three simple things that will help us understand why why troublemakers um, pioneer, why they do things a little bit differently. The first one is this. Troublemakers are pals with problems. They're pals with problems. They make change because they recognize that the problem and the problems before us require more than repeating the past or the status quo. Some of us in life can see problems. But we actually haven't got close enough to them. I'm a thinker. Um, you might think I'm a talker, um, but my wife can testify who the real Joel is. Um, she's just sees me walking around the house, just... But I like to think through things. I like to take time and be like, okay, what am I going to do? What's the standard here? What have what I got to change? How do I raise up kids that love church, not hate church, when they're here every single week? Like, how do I teach Jeremiah? Like yesterday, I was sitting down with Jem with his, Jeremiah doesn't get pocket money because you've got to work for what you get. Um, but his he's just started sleeping in his own room, which is like a four-and-a-half-year miracle for the Mitchell family. Um, but the way that I got him to do it is a couple of like two nights ago, yeah? We're just hitting them two nights in a row. Look at us go. Um, Parents of the year, we're writing a book. Um, I met someone yesterday. um, No, it's okay. Um, But I said to him, I was like, Jeremiah, if you sleep in your room, in your bed all night, I'm going to get you some gold coins, as in chocolate gold coins. And he was like, two packets, and I was like, Three packets. And then he slept through the whole night. He came in to me at about 5.30 in the morning and said, I'm oh I did it, I did it. I was scared, but I slept through, I did it. And then I took him into town yesterday to pick up his chocolate coins. Apparently, um, they're $3 a packet now. <laughs> when did that happen? So he sleeps and I give him $9. Um, so... He gave one to his sister, which is fantastic. But we need to, I don't know why I said any of this. No, but I was thinking yesterday that I'd tell this story, um, but then towards the middle and end, I would forget why I was telling it. And then I'd seamlessly transition to something else. So um, we need to actually understand that we have problems in our life. We need to recognize them and we need to actually cause some trouble against them. An amazing scripture in Proverbs 3, verse 6, is going to appear on the screen. We've probably heard it before. But let me uh, encourage us maybe to hear it differently this morning. It says, trust in the Lord, capitals, because Proverbs knows what to do with words, with all of your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. We need to get close enough to our problems in not just one way, but in all of our ways. I learned a long time ago in my life that if I put God first in church, it doesn't mean I'm putting God first in my money. If I put God first in my work, it doesn't mean I'm putting God first in my family. And this scripture is encouragement here that actually says, in all of your ways, acknowledge him. Some of us think, like, if I serve every single week in church, then God's going to bless every area of my life. No, you need to acknowledge him in all areas of your life, not just one. So let's, for example, like, you're desperate to be married. I must be wed. And you go to weddings, and you're like, tell me the secret. I must be wed. How did you capture one? Um, How did you summon him out of the cave? Um how did you enchant the young fellow? Um, Single lady talk. Um, But be like, okay, I'm going to keep on prioritizing my work and then Mr. Wright is going to walk into my life. And no, you've got to acknowledge God in all areas of your life to get God results. You can't just be like, I'll just run here and then my finance, it doesn't matter how much I spend on McDonald's a week, God's going to bless my finance. No, acknowledge him in the different areas and his promise is so good and he will make your path straight. If you acknowledge Him in that area, it's simply speaking, point A to point B is direct. It's ease. There's God's grace in it. If you just say, "Oh God, I'm oh, give you, I give you money on Sunday," therefore my friendships at work with that weird person are going to be blessed. No, in all of those ways. How are you praying through that at work? How are you doing these different things? So let me give you a few different areas that we can. Place God first in all of our ways. You ready? I chucked a few up on the screen. Here you go. There's 12 of them. Let me run through them. So when it comes to your personal, I want you to think about these things and you right now and how are you acknowledging God and what problems are there and how much you've got next to those problems and being like, okay, this is the real problem. This is the real thing. So much of what I get to do um, as a pastor in our church is ignore the fruit and go to the root. People come and like, I'm so, I just don't want to serve at the moment. Okay, are you worshipping at home? Like, yeah, you're not serving the church, you're serving Jesus. How's your worship doing? Like, how is God's Word still coming alive on the inside of you? There's something under the surface that's much more important than doing the right things. It's walking with Jesus. So these are some different areas. Your personal life, this includes how you spend your time or your social life, who you spend your time with. How you spend your time by yourself? Because there can be problems in personal and social. The main problem is just breakdowns. There's just breakdowns in friendship. I was hurt before, therefore I'm going to isolate. Can I guarantee you something? If you've been hurt before in friendships or relationships, welcome to humanity. We all have. And we can all judge. Uh, I've been thinking through a lot recently. Um, myself and Alex have quite a full life in this season. of it. Like we've with a lot of things going on uh, between the two of us, we're overseeing five departments in church right now, which is pretty full on for having two little kids. And different people come to me and they're like, oh, I'm tired. And I used to be like, no, my wife's tired. She hasn't slept for four years. Um, but I got this revelation that if, um, if I'm in hospital because I've lost a leg, there's no point in me looking at the person next to me and be like, oh, they've lost two legs, so I guess I should be really thankful for my leg. I've still lost a leg. And what can happen is when we have these breakdowns in a relationship, we can try and compare them. Oh, I've been through worse things than you. I call it the narrow mentality, like we flex how dysfunctional our situations have been. Like one person's like, oh, I don't have enough money for food this week. And the other person, oh, I have to cancel my All Star. Um, <laughs> it's like this flex of like, what's the biggest tragedy? So when it comes to our problems, yes, you've been hurt before, and yes, you will be hurt again. Guess what? You'll hurt again. But you need to make decisions. What are the problems when it comes to me being social right now? What are the problems with me when I'm by myself? And am I working them? Am I acknowledging God in them? Because if we're going to be a troublemaker and get over some things, get over some problems, we need to make sure that we are acknowledging Him. Maybe it's your work life. (laughs) Are you where you would like to be in your work or your career? Problems that we can face is we can feel undervalued. We can be surrounded by the weirdest co-workers in the world, right? Not me, I work here. Um, (laughs) You guys are great. Um, (laughs) I can feel trapped in my career. What's the problem? What's the grace that God's given you? What's the vision? I love our business network a couple of weeks ago. Last week, I wanted to be there, but I wasn't allowed. I was forbidden from being here for my holidays. Um, But I love that we're cultivating. You've got an idea, you've got a concept. You don't just have to go through school and learn how to be a follower or an employee. You can actually grow and keep on thinking about the ideas that God's placed on the inside of you. So, what are the problems in your career? What are you wrestling with? What's the real situation? It's not your boss. Isn't it amazing? Who's who's been an employee before? Chand up. Awesome. Like a characteristic of being an employee is this, and if you get offended, um, sorry, um, is often when it comes to our bosses, we can think, oh, I do so much work for them, and they get paid more than me. Like there's this thing like uh, it happens in like every apprenticeship. I'm gonna go out on my own. Um, well, got quiet in the room. Um Everyone feels guilty. Um, But this whole thing of like, oh, my boss is this, my boss is that. No, your boss took a risk and pioneered and actually made a way for you to have income and you haven't taken the risks or the, you haven't mortgaged your house again. You haven't taken these, you haven't gone out on your own. So you need to be thankful that someone took the risk so that you could complain about how complacent, how much they don't come to work because they're always fishing or something. So what are your actual real work problems? Your family Are you spending time nurturing your family relationships or do you think because you have a quiet time you're going to be a great parent? What are the problems? Every problem in family comes back to this. It doesn't matter who gave birth to you. It's still weird, the concept of little children living with two adults. I just think the whole concept of family is odd. These two people that love each other made me and then I live with them? And they teach me everything. You might think family is normal. Good for you. I just think it's a weird idea. I think it's odd. We are older. You will now be like us soon. Uh, and you would commence this again. Uh, but what can happen in family is everyone in your family hopefully is different. If they're not, you have a super weird family. Come and talk to me. But the conflict happens in family. Problems happen with family is because your uniqueness. So what are the actual problems stopping you from acknowledging him? Or spiritually, are you studying? Are you growing spiritually? Again, coming to church is not the thing that gets you over the line when it comes to you actually growing as a son or a daughter of God. It's the wrestle. It's when no one's watching. Your emotions, how do you feel? Why do you feel? How can you feel better? I uh, asked some people this morning, what are problems when it comes to their emotions and this this bomb was dropped, that their emotions aren't the truth. I have it in my office somewhere on one of my walls that my emotions aren't smart. There are a lot of things, but they're not smart. They're often like, how dare they? How dare they buy a fillet of fish, they're disgusting. And it may not be truth, it may not be smart, but it's something that I'm feeling. So how do we have emotions? A typical Australian guy thing is like, I don't have any emotions. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha. We had to create the man flu. Get this. We had to create the man flu just so we could stop and deal with our emotions at home by ourselves and be really sad. That's what the man flu is. There is not a chain of cold that affects men, yet when mothers get it, they power through like, no. The man flu is the male taking time to process their disappointments with a sniffly nose. Whoa, my gosh. All the women just got a revelation and I just let the cat out of the bag for all the guys. Um, I just, can't. I can't move out of bed. Yeah, sure, you're depressed. Have a conversation. Um, Not just denying emotions, but how do I overcome these problems? Your money, how do you meet your weekly, monthly, yearly budgets or goals? Do you have them? If you don't, coming to church won't fix your money problems. I asked again some people this morning, what are problems? And the first thing that comes up every time, what are our money problems? What's the number one problem? (laughs) Okay, one said McDonald's, another one said money. Um Is that we don't have enough if I just have more money? No, if you had more money, you'd spend it the same way you're spending it now. If you got the lotto, that's why everyone, I think it's 75% of people that get the lotto also declare bankruptcy before they're dead. Because it's like, I've won the lotto, therefore, I will buy all of the cars. <laughs> I will have all of them. More money, more problems. <laughs> But what's the real problem? Maybe it's your stewardship. Maybe you waste it. Maybe you have no idea of how much you spend on certain things. Maybe you need to download an app on your phone or write up a spreadsheet and work out, okay, it turns out I give 11% to church and 18% to McDonald's and KFC. Is this what I want? Is this the goal? Is this what I'm going for? Because it should be more than 18%. It should be 50% at McDonald's and KFC. Another one is your mind, your intellect. Do you read books? Do you do crossword puzzles? Are you learning new things, or did you stop learning new things when you you were no longer forced to sit down and listen to someone talking about school, not Sunday services? Um, Are you saving? Are you investing? How are you? How are you learning? How are you growing? How are you studying? Are you afraid to learn? Are you afraid to grow? Do you believe you're not smart enough to keep on growing? Do you overthink things? You need to keep on placing God first in these areas. Maybe your health. Do you have a healthy lifestyle? Do you exercise regularly when you have a medical crisis, but the other time you sit down and you let your fingers, as you click the remote, do all the exercising? Or the only time you run is when you run to the bathroom. You can lift your hands all you want. It doesn't mean you're going to have good health. There's some things you can prevent. I went to a chiropractor um, last week because I watched a whole bunch of videos on YouTube. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, my neck sore too. Um, when really I was just chasing that crack noise that they do, like they pop someone's neck, like their neck broken, they're not broken. Uh, so I went to see a chiropractor. I hate people um, touching my body. Um, I don't even like washing myself. I just stay away from me. Um, but if there's some, And she went through, like, is this in your family? Is this in your family? I found myself being like, oh, yes, everything is in my family. I'm dead. I literally died during this right now. <laughs> Cancer, yes. Yeah. So is sometimes. Tinnia everywhere. Um, But when it comes to your health, diet, exercises, you have to acknowledge God in these areas. Otherwise, your priorities, your acknowledgement of him, your prayerfully considering, like your time, all of these areas. If we just stop, some people make decisions like, oh, I'm going to stop being disciple because I don't have the time for it. Okay, just stop for a second and acknowledge God in this area. God, how should I spend my time? Tell me. Like, I'll make room for you. I acknowledge you. I place you first. You're going to make my path straight. It doesn't matter my ideas and how wonky I can get around things. No, I stop. I acknowledge you. Acknowledge him in all of these areas. Or just last one is just people. Why are you isolated? Why are you trying to please people? How are you making the people around you better? How are they making you better? Who's the greatest person around you that you're learning and being mentored from? Uh, I'm so thankful that Pastor James is sharing with you guys, but over the last uh, 12, 18 months, I still catch up with Pastor James all the time. Not not because he was my senior pastor, but because he's mentored me through challenges. And I still deeply care about what he can impart onto the inside of me because a transition of anointing or title or mantle of our church didn't stop the man of God that he is. So you have to keep on being mentored well. I love my mentors in my life. Pastor James and Annie, Pastor Brian and Charlie have always been big people that can say what needs to be said. As Nat said, tell us when we're thinking that we're rock stars. Bring us back to who Jesus is. So in all of these areas, how are you going when it comes to finding the problems? And maybe today you feel like, oh my gosh, I have problems in all of these areas. It's like me at the chiropractor, like you got one thing, yes. Yeah, I got everything. Don't touch that, it's no, stay away. I have two spines, like make up things. But how do you acknowledge? And are you powers with the problems? Are you not just pretending that they're not there? I love that. I love the thought of like if if I come to church and just look like I'm the best Christian, then I'm gonna have a great life. No, I'm not. No, no, no. Jim Appel Joe, Noel. Um, sorry, French. Um but it's actually confronting the giants, the hidden giants, the things that no one's watching. And we can all fill out a praise report about the great things that are happening. Let's celebrate really loudly, fantastic, but wrestle with them problems, baby. Like deal with them. Wrestle with the things that will really take you out. Can I give you point number two? It's going to overflow the next week, so it's okay. Uh, It's this, searching for the sweet spot. Searching for the sweet spot. Here in my hands is one of my best friends. For those listening on the podcast, you can guess what it is. Um, Take a moment, consider it. It's a baseball bat, you're wrong. Um, This baseball bat has been through many seasons of life with me. Uh, It is my greatest preaching. Um, When I'm preparing my messages over the years, especially when I started, I'd always just have this with me. In my house, in my home, walks with God, um, praying for people in shopping centers. Um. <laughs> in ministry, and church, I'd always just come up and be like, oh, God bless you. <laughs> yeah. With a baseball bat, there's a thing called a sweet spot. And what it is, it's the point on a bat where the least vibration happens. So if I got right now, if I got a paper cone, which I haven't done, and taped it onto here and just tapped along this bat, there's a point that's roughly there. I can hear it. This thing would stop vibrating because it shows that actually it's the it's the point where if you had like a graph and a big wave, it's the lowest point where there's and you just hit it's get the least vibrations in your hand. It goes the furthest. It's the sweet spot. And what we need to understand if we want to be people that are troublemakers that are problem solvers, we need to discover what are the sweet spots in our life. If I get this next scripture on the screen, that'd be awesome, Uh, Davy Dave. It says in Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30, are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn The unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you will learn to live freely and lightly. This promise here is this unforced rhythms of grace. It is the sweet spot. It is not ill fitting, it is perfect. It's not a yoke that is too heavy or taking you a place where you're not supposed to be going. It is this sweet spot, this unforced rhythm of grace, this humility to God that is just gets the results in your life. Can I give you a few sweet spots? Is that okay? So whether it's too high or too low, the devil doesn't care which one takes you out. You need to hit the sweet spot. The first one is this, cautious, courageous, careless. Careless. So to be cautious in your life is not the sweet spot where you walk around constantly being like, this could be the worst day of my life. I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't take that risk. I shouldn't go that place. I need to be cautious. It takes you in a place where you shouldn't be and it's not something you should be doing. Ephesians, i oh sorry, Ecclesiastes 3 talks about there being a time for everything. But that was written in the most, that's the depressed book out of the three books of Solomon. He had his, yeah, in the Proverbs and Song of Songs, different seasons of his life. we need to understand that actually the season that we're supposed to be in is always a season of courage. That's the sweet spot. And to step over from courage to carelessness, I'll just do everything and I'll run around crazy. No, you don't need to do that. You don't need to be cautious. The sweet spot, the spot that's going to get you that result that you need is courage. Be courageous, church. How courageous are you? What have you done in the last year, five years, 10 years? It was courageous. Week, day, where's your courage at? Are you walking around confident, roaring like a lion? Because you don't need to be cautious. Your God's got you. You don't need to be careless and foolish, but you can be courageous. Take the risk, believe for the impossible thing. That's the sweet spot that we're called to live in. The second one is this reserved, risk, or reckless. It's the same concept. Are you being too reserved right now in your life? Am I waiting? One day it'll happen. Uh, We're not going to put all my chips into this hand because I know there's maybe there'll be a better one tomorrow. One of the things I'm doing at the moment is studying a lot of stocks and trading. And when you're doing stocks and trading, you can often be like, is today the best day to buy something? Is this going on? What's going to happen? But the best day is now. (laughs) Like it's taking the chance, going long, believing that things are going to happen and taking those intentional risks. Not being reckless, but living in that sweet spot of risk. Can I give you a couple more? Um, self-conscious, self-confident, or self-satisfied. Self-conscious is that, oh no, I said a little while ago, um, we've had two kids, but neither of them came out being like, don't look at my body. Look at my belly, don't look at me. Um, they didn't come out all self-insecure and, and self-conscious. They came out and they have to learn how to be insecure. you got to teach them it. You'd be like, be insecure right now, Jeremiah. Like they, they learn it through experience. You don't want those things, but we need to understand that as a church, let's not to be too self-conscious. Let's be aware of what God wants to do because that will give us a confidence. I'm a son of God. I'm called by God. I'm anointed by God. That's my sweet spot. I don't walk in being like, oh, I can't, I don't feel it. Who cares about what you can't and you can't feel? Be confident who God's grace you to be. That's the truth above your emotions or you take it a little bit further, get a little bit smug and become self-satisfied. I'm happy where everything is up to and nothing could be any better and I'm done. That's not a sweet spot to live in your life. Scary spot because you pretty soon become the person that you were yesterday instead of the person that you're called to be tomorrow. Can I give you one more as we finish up this morning? Is that okay? If Rebecca somewhere can jump on keys. I had an extra point. It was my best point, but I will do it next week because that's, that's okay. Is that okay? Cool. Um, the last one is this. Sloth, servant, slave alone. Who loves a good sloth? Who knows what a sloth is? A sloth, how can I describe a sloth? It is a tired monkey. Or a happy ferret. Um, who here believes in spirit animals? Okay, weirdos. Um, <laughs> But it's not a sweet spot in your life. And uh, let me t- speak to the teenagers for a second. Um, slothliness is not a goal. Uh, an attitude that can often happen in students is not, how can I be great, but how can I pass? Like, what have I got to do to get through this class? Because I know I'm never going to use algebra. And you can pretend that I'm going to be algebra, use it, but I know I'm not. Oh, you use it every day. No, I won't. But not how can I do the bare minimum. But how can I stay a servant? I want to separate for a second. Often we can think in church that I'm a son, not a servant. Yeah, that's true. It's true because of this scripture, Galatians. We get it on the screen. It's a really great scripture that we can quote uh, when we don't want to serve. Um, So you are no longer a slave. Yes, I'm no longer a slave. Another word you can put in there because of the original Greek is servant. But God's child, and since you are his child, God has made you also his heir. So we can walk into church and be like, I am a son. Set up the seats for me. Prepare my chico roll for me. For all of this will be mine one day. Okay, I think you might be misunderstanding what this scripture is trying to do. Because if you've never found them before, there are scriptures in the Bible that 100% contradict themselves if you don't understand context. People are like, there is no contrast in the bullet. No, it all makes 100. And they put two verses next to each other. No. um, Understanding context will help that. But there are scriptures like this, if we go to our next scripture, the battles against Galatians 4. It says, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves, you have become slaves of God. I am no longer a slave. I have become slaves of God. The benefit you will reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. So, if we go back to this point that we're not um, supposed to be sloths, we're called to be servants, but not slaves alone. These two scriptures, this scripture here, when it describes. That we are no longer slaves. It's an identity issue. It's the actual thing of me being like, you, you're a slave. You, you're a servant. That is who you are. That is all you will be. That is your relationship with everyone around you, slave, servant. It says in this first scripture, you are no longer that. The second scripture is telling us that we're not not that, but it's no longer our identity. You are no longer, it's better to say you are no longer just slaves. You have become slaves of God. We were slaves to sin and now we're slaves to God. Now we're servants of God, but we are also sons and daughters. Jeremiah is not a son that can just strut around our house throwing toys wherever he wants and have no responsibility to serve. That's not sonship, that's entitlement. That's something weird. I deserve this. I, if the message isn't what I like, I'm going to leave. You have moved from what serving is and you were never supposed to. Sons serve. Sons enforce what their father is doing. Sons are a part of it. Even they know that they're heirs to it, so they care about it more than servants. They're like, this is going to be mine, so I'm investing into it. This matters. This matters. We need to make sure that we're not thinking that service is for some, but serving is for everyone. It's a sweet spot of life. If you can stay in the state that I choose to serve others and I choose to serve God, mm, that's great. Don't be a slave alone. Don't be trying to please everyone around you, but stay serving. I serve because of my attendance. No, you don't. You serve because you look someone in the eyes and you encourage them. You serve because you come early and you do something. You serve because you give that prophetic word that God's given you. You serve because you're a part of a family, not a service, not a program, not an organization. You serve because you're a part of this. Your identity changed. It's relational now. Now when you serve, it matters, man. It's not because you have to. It's not because you're just a slave to it. It's because you're a son that makes a decision to be like, yeah, I'm a son, but watch me serve the least like Jesus. It's a sweet spot. I met with someone a few weeks ago. (laughs) They're struggling with serving. And I just said and reminded them, who are you serving? Because, man, if you're serving the youth pastor or the church family that walks in late to the service, or if you're serving that department leader or that person on your team where you're serving the senior pastors, man, you're missing it. Because who cares? <laughs> they don't need servants. If you're serving Jesus, if you're like, oh, God, like, I'm so thankful that I got invited to this thing. <laughs> like, I'm just so thankful that I got invited to the party. <laughs> I'm so thankful we didn't, that, I'm so thankful the invite went out and I got to come here and I get to be a part of this. That I get to set up that seat, that I get to clean that toilet, that I get to be a part of something. The best team in this church is the host team. It just is. I love our host team. I want every single one of my leaders coming through to serve on the host team. I really couldn't care less how you can sing. How can you serve when no one watches? How can you be here 15 minutes early because you care about God's house and an hour late because you love this place and you'll fight for this place? Serving is a sweet spot. Can you serve while singing into a microphone? Yeah. But you can also be a rock star pretty easily. It's really hard to be the rock star on the host team. Because you're doing the unseen. You're doing the things that make you the greatest in the kingdom. Join a team, serve God's house because it matters. So these contradictions in scripture should help us come back to more bigger truths. So let's be the kind of people that are troublemakers. Can I give you a sneak peek of my last point? Can I get my recap slide on the screen? Dave, back Dave, that'll be great. Don't tell front Dave. Um troublemakers are disruptors of the mundane, average, and boring. So our first two points today, pals with their problems. We're pals with them because we want to solve them. We want to get close enough to them to see what's really going on, to answer real questions. Why am I always fighting with the people around me? Why does every workplace I go to be great for a month and then everyone hates me? Probably because you're terrible. Um, (laughs) Like all of your dysfunction that's ever happened in your life, the common denominator is you. Dade loves that. (laughs) Overcome the problem. And then searching for that sweet spot so you can live in the sweet spot, so you can stay a servant, not a slave, not a sloth. Stay in that risk, stay in that courage, stay self-confident because it's the good spot that I want to live in. And lastly, we're going to talk about next week that we're geared for greatness, that we won't settle for less than what the greatness that God has placed on our life we'll realize that actually we're not called to be mundane. We're called to be average. We're called to be apart. We're actually called to do great things, amazing things for God. But we're going to define what real greatness looks like and celebrate what it is to be great in God. I just want to ask us to close our eyes as we finish off today's service. I said that I wanted to give an opportunity for people to respond to Jesus because all of this without Jesus um, isn't the church. It's something else. So I just want to give an opportunity. If this morning you just feel like, oh, I need to get right with God. I've been maybe acknowledging him in some areas of my life, but not all areas. And that's why I found this thing to have paths that go the wrong way and take me to places. And I need to acknowledge him in everything I do. And today I just need to respond and be like, God, I acknowledge you. I put you first. Help me to acknowledge you in all areas, in all ways. Maybe you just haven't been living in that sweet spot. You've been trying to do this without His grace, without His courage, without serving Him. And this morning, you just want to respond to Him. You've seen that your sin has separated you from God and you want to turn back to Him. You want to walk with Him. So this morning, whether it's your first time and you feel like this is for you, or you just feel like you stumbled away, you found yourself in situations because of your choices that have made you further away from God than you need to be. And today, you just want to say, I'm coming back. If that's you, with every eye closed, I just want you to lift your hand right where you are so I can pray with you so that we can celebrate this awesome decision this morning. Awesome. Just keep that hand up. Awesome. Is there anyone else this morning? You can chuck those hands down. That's great. The need to make this decision. It's an important decision, not for me, but for you. Because I'll finish in a moment, but God will be with you every step of the way. Awesome. I see that hand. You can chuck it down. The best thing that happened this morning wasn't the coffee. It was that four people got right with Jesus. It wasn't the sermon illustration. It was people came back to knowing who they were in God. Why don't we just pray this prayer together with those people? Just repeat this after me. Dear Jesus, I thank you that you love me, that you accept me, that nothing I could do could earn your love and grace. So today, I accept the free gift of salvation. I turn from my sin. I ask that you will forgive me. And I thank you that I'll never be the same again. Help me to know you are with me and I can acknowledge you in all areas and you'll make my path straight. In Jesus' name, we celebrate. Amen. 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 If you made that decision this morning, those people, our New Christians team, hopefully saw you. Uh, They want to give you a Bible. They want to pray with you. They want to get you connected. And as, as Nat shared earlier, we run our New Christians course every single Sunday because we're a church that multitudes find Jesus. So we want to make sure we're helping you. If that was a recommitment, I encourage you, have a New Christian Conversation. Because you need to make sure, okay, I need to come back to prayer right now. I need to come back to the Word of God. I'm never too old to come back to the most important basics of existence, walking with God. So if you made that decision this morning, first time recommitment, we're so excited. We want to celebrate with you and they'll chat you after the service. So next week, we talk about greatness. And next week, I'm going to drum in church. Um, so prepare for that. I want to talk about, When you, here's your little tease. I want to talk about why no one listens to you. Have you ever found yourself sharing something like, they're not listening. They're just waiting for their turn to talk. Maybe it's parents, you're raising your kids and they're like, I'm 14 now, so I know everything. And you're like, no, you know nothing. Um, or at work, you suggest something to your boss and they're like, yeah, why don't you just work harder? Um, why people don't listen to you. Maybe in your marriage, you know everything your wife needs to do better, but she just will not listen or vice versa. We're going to tackle that next week. So have an awesome week. Stick around after the service. We're a family, not a service. So we love you here. Come and meet us. New people will be heading over shortly um, for our new people's lunch. So come over and party with us. See you in the hallways. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more about our church, please go to celebrationchurch.com.au.